This is Jesse Hensley. This is Josh Turner. And this is Chris Bow. Welcome to Turn Down for What. Welcome back to Turn Down for What. It's another episode, and the gang's all here. We got the we got the boys back. Welcome back, Jesse. You can't Hello. Just, you can't just salute. For those people listening only, they'll they will need to hear your 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 lovely voice that we've missed for these weeks that we've missed. Um, that was the that was the sound of a salute. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I mean, uh, we're gonna have Jesse in with our news articles. Uh, he's gonna have to hop off in a couple minutes, but we'll have him on for the first bit here. And then we're also bringing on, as we speak, our uh, our guest for the day. Um, and we will uh, be talking about a little bit of his experience in the upcoming minutes. So, uh, Chris, tee us off with the first news article. Yeah, I think uh, we were just talking to to Neil uh, last week about Electrify Expo, and one of the big uh, cool reveals there was Volvo had their uh, X90 and then their X30, uh, the X30 being the more affordable uh, vehicle kind of in the space of um, the, the Volt, and that's going to be a $35,000 offering, which is exciting to see from Volvo. Um, uh, they're going to have to look at manufacturing it somewhere other than China, which is where they're doing it now. But I think in 2025, they're going to move that uh, to a country that can import into the U S without the big China tariffs. So that's yeah, three, uh, that 3.4, 3. 3.40 to 60. Can't complain yeah, about that. That's for the dual. Yeah. The dual motor and the, the higher horsepower. And then they've got another spec that um, it's just a single motor long range um, gets somewhere near 275 for the miles closer to a five second. Uh, zero to 60 but i i think that's plenty for the average driver and i think that's what that's this not. thing is targeting you know it has to be sub four or i'm out yeah yeah <laughs> well for you and and for sergio you know the guys that have to have the speed you know Ser- sergio is definitely the gt kind of kind of spec so yeah there's they've got a market for that and then they've got the you know the somebody like me who's just perfectly happy with uh not gunning it and running it all day long Hey, gun and run every day. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's not about speeding. It's about getting to the speed limit quickly. That's all that matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't break the law. I just get to the speed limit quickly. So maybe every (laughs) once in a while on a closed track, (laughs) on a closed track, I will uh, comply. But yeah. (laughs) Well, one thing, too, it's a good segue because one thing that I don't remember you uh, mentioning is that NASCAR last week did show pictures of a it looked like a Mustang Mach-E that is under the design of a cup car so it's going to be a standalone series not a lot of details are uh, out about it yet but going in the whole theme of fast it appears like they have started the process of developing something that is going to be an e-top series so maybe uh maybe the quickness will even get better because of that we talked about this with Jace a uh, month and a half, two months ago about the EV Cup Cup Series. It seems like that could be a really interesting uh, NASCAR or sub sub uh, racing experience is to have some sort of EV uh, Cup Series where you're racing uh, EVs because we talked about it as well. But they have the EV um, F. Uh, what's what's that vehicle, Jess? You remember the name of it? 
That oh, one you're that, talking about the F series, the the F1 series that is the Formula E is the series that they have now. Formula, but e. I, there was that one that took down all the track records at that uh, one track. Um, oh, oh, there's there's several of those. So you've got uh, good, uh, good. Let's see, Pox Peak was a was the uh, Volkswagen or the Audi that did that one. You have uh, there was that one freaky Goodwin specific Festival. one. Yeah. Oh, and that one is from the same person that built the McLaren, I believe. Yes. The F1 designed it. And they the had one that had the, the vacuum, the vacuum down, and yep. they had that whole series. But it slaughtered all the records. Now it could only go like three times around the track before the battery died. But it it, it beat the the track record for racing because of the acceleration and things that was actually provided in that in that vehicle specifically. Yep. But yep. So on a speed tangent, we were talking about the, the Volvo and ended up on a uh, F1 uh, series discussion there. But uh, but yeah, I mean the uh, EX30 looks like a affordable vehicle, which is one of the things that we said keep saying that's needed. Uh, but bringing yep. the affordable vehicle options into the market, it's a huge win for drivers who are not looking to spend a hundred thousand dollars to get into the space. So I, I definitely think that that's a a very good solid opportunity yeah, and it's interesting because they chose to to build the x90 in america i think kentucky is where they're going to build that one but they're still going to have to import the x30 but hopefully they can do it at a price that that works because they'll miss out on that incentive being that it's you know having to be an import but it's looks to be affordable it looks to be a the right size um for an entry uh into the ev market it's got kind of that uh tesla x uh tesla-esque minimalistic idea it's got like a, a vertical screen like our mach e and, and lightning uh cousins have uh, but it's a smaller version of 12 uh inch instead of 15 and um and that's kind of it and then they've got all recycled you're materials saying and, you're saying 12 inches is small well compared to the 15 that uh you know that we've got with our vertical screens Dang, uh, bro has high standards and moving along <laughs> bro has high along. standards over here come on now <laughs> You gotta know gotta, where that's gonna go. I, I, right, well, I'd hate to I'd hate to talk to your wife. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. But it's it is exciting though to see that not every news article breaking is is you know the the supercar or you know the 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 huge spec from um from somebody that's you know a six figure type of number or these eighty thousand dollar vehicles, which a lot of these things right now just are. Um, you know coming out these are big 80 to 100 thousand dollar specs and um you know the gravity that's going to come out and the, the just had um other stuff like the um the polestar and, and those things again high end kind of luxury vehicles and i get it that's where the the cost and the money is so they've got to do those but man i just i want to see volume i want to see volume on the road yeah. and right now there's there's model three and model y and then you've got the you know, the vault, which is going to be going away for a short time and coming back. And the conversation kind of stops there. And then you get into that higher 50, 50,000, you know, and, and up range. And there's, man, I'd love to see something exciting from an entry. And Volvo's a great name. And I think there's a lot of excitement around the brand. And I think it's a better effort than we're seeing from like, you know, Toyota and Subaru and that little yep. kind of push that went out there, whatever that, that weak effort was. I, I think it's a legitimate, you know, contender to be out there and get some volume. So, uh, I'm excited to see it uh, just because I'd like to see more of that, you know? 
Yeah, I had lunch with a buddy to, uh, today, actually, um, just left there and came here. But um, we were discussing, um, he's doing some stuff in the solar space. And um, we were having a discussion around the EV space. And he's driven an EV for years um, and was saying how, man, the two things that we need are cheaper cars and uh, more charging stations. I'm like, that's what we've been saying for weeks now. It's like, it's true. I mean, the things we need is more entry-level vehicles i mean he has the uh volkswagen uh id I id4 probably i think it's the id4 sharp looking vehicle uh great but it was a more affordable option um and he has a, a tesla as well um but that's something that like we need more of those the Machis that have the base packages that are affordable and you know even getting some of the r1s r1t lightnings you know that lightning originally marketed themselves with the pro at 39 with a tax credit you're at 32 now obviously i think that's still at 49 i don't think they price dropped that one um, but nonetheless like affordable trucks affordable cars because that's what's going to cause the rapid growth which in a technology of scale i think that as you get production it'll lower the cost of even the high-end vehicles which is what we've discussed before with tesla you know they they're dropping prices because they're doing it in such large quantity because they can make things more seamless bring parts in house control the the way the vehicles are constructed and it allows them to bring their cost down from what the plaid was at 110,000. Now it's 90 and you know, the other models were at 70 and now they're at 60 and it was at 60 now it's at 45. And so all those vehicles become instantly more affordable because of the quantity that they're producing. And, and they're doing them in other parts of the world. I mean, China and BYD and these companies are there. BYE. Yeah. They're, they're coming. They're coming. And uh, even Volkswagen, they have an ID3 that has never hit the U.S. shores. That's a smaller, more compact kind of little hot hatch type of vehicle that um, is is more affordable out there in Europe and more suitable for the European roads and sizes that are out there. But I still think there's a market for it out here. And um, I, I just love to see some companies get out here and really, really push up against um, the limits that we have right now, which are. Uh, you know, every day you get these these rollouts of you know, that Dodge vehicle. It's, you know, a hybrid crazy Frankenstein. That's got to be a hundred grand right there. Right. And um, and, and those types of, yep. of, you know, there's uh, they just talked about um, with, with Kyle driving. a uh, Was it a Rolls Royce that he was driving? The, yeah. You know, <laughs> $400,000 driving through McDonald's drive throughs I mean, I love that guy, the stuff he does. Um, and yeah, there's a market for some of those, but I mean, I'd love to see my neighbor Bill get one and he's not going to be doing these, you know, 80,000, $400,000 vehicles. He, he needs something that he's going to be able to have as a daily driver, affordable, you know, get 200 to 300 miles and, you know, finance it for five years at a reasonable rate, you know, and that's, uh, yeah. I'd love to see more of that. So uh, I, I think the X30 is, is a good kind of uh, step towards that. And hopefully we'll see more. Uh, There's your soundbot. The, boom. <laughs> uh, then I think the other oh. news item we were talking about was just the, um, the, the kind of trend towards, you know, vehicle to X, vehicle to grid, vehicle to load and, you know, lucid, coming out with that vehicle to vehicle and they've got their their platform that in time is supposed to support vehicle to grid with their wonder box and um 
and their their stuff that they're doing over there and of course ford and uh honda and what was the third company that came together there was it was it bmw uh, i'll pull it up BMW. Um, i think it was those three i believe tesla Tesla will also do this with at least the Cybertruck, from what I understand. It will be having the ability to go to grid, and it does have the same type of outlet on the back, just like our trucks do. So uh, another one that is a juggernaut in that industry, that if you take all their Teslas they build and put those as a, a grid capable, now you've got 600,000, 700,000 new vehicles every two quarters that can charge and run things on the grid if the integration is done correctly and i think that's a major amount of power that you could start putting out there that in times of need or emergencies or demand it's really going to slow down those peak instant requests for power and it's only a good thing for that industry and something that needs to happen because i don't believe that our grids are where they need to be to support these type of systems yeah, which and is, I, I mean, that's, it was Ford, BMW, and Honda, just to clarify. But, I mean, I yeah. think the systems, um, one of the largest values, and we talked about this uh, several weeks ago with you know, me and Jesse did, but the virtual power plants, um, you know, the yep. the idea of having dispo- like battery packs attached to the grid all over a region acts as a local microgrid in the event of an emergency. And now this service, like ChargeScape, is something that people can elect into and it's an agreement that then happens with the local power co-op that hey all the cars on this chargescape network when they're plugged in you can pull from it when necessary well that gives this opportunity to create these microgrids of one helping offset peak demand because 130 kilowatt battery pack like my truck has times 100 that's a lot of stored power that you know across my local region there's not 100 lightning drivers but all the different evs that are on the road you have in megawatts and and potentially gigawatts of storage capacity that can be output onto the grid on a scenario where last christmas eve we have a rolling blackout because the local power company didn't have enough power demand with the amount of new construction houses in our region that's a viable solution to say hey now we're really straining the grid. Let's pull off the grid off these vehicles just by having, you know, these EVs. That's a very good use case as long as you have the appropriate infrastructure to actually connect those things. Um, and pay them a premium for doing it. Yeah. That's the other local, key. You're, you're paying them a premium to get that power. It's, the, just same, it. it's the same but much larger scale of what they've done with water heaters. I don't know if it, they yeah. do that in California. I'm sure they do, but they have – our local power company has a box connected to your water heater. They can actually shut your water heater off um, in peak in peak times, and ba- they basically cover maintenance costs and give you a discount, uh, like a, a small discount on your power. And that's just I never am inconvenienced by it, but it helps them control power outflow. And so, mm. same difference with this is, I mean, this is much larger scale because now you're connecting massive battery packs to the grid that you can pull from. And if you have, like I said, 5,000 customers in a, in a hundred thousand population region, that's a massive amount of power on demand when plugged in, when the grid might be strained at a, at a peak time. And you have now go ahead. Yeah. The, the, the challenge that I see is, is trying to get these things aligned because it it reminds me a little bit about 
um, you know, the con- the charge connectors where you've got CCS and you've got NACs. And I'd love to see them get Tesla on board, you know, with this ChargeScape group, because part of the idea with ChargeScape is that you're standardizing between the European, the Japanese and the American markets with this mix of, you know, BMW and Honda and Ford. And, and Ford's already got a little little step in there with the home integration system. Um, and and Tesla's kind of they're going to go down one path. Right. And if Tesla's not on board now, you've got, again, this big uh, elephant in the garage of Tesla sitting there with their power. <laughs> elephant in the garage. Excellent analogy. Keep going. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's what are you going to do with it? So in, for my for my circumstance, here I am with a Ford and with this big battery and a Tesla Powerwall. And I'd like to see them integrate. I'd like to see them standardize because um, my power wall is what gives me instant on power for for short outages. And I plug in the truck when I, um, you know, I, I had in February we had one of those big um, storms that that blew through California and blew out a power pole in our neighborhood. Plugged in the truck for that for something longer term. And I think the problem is that when you, and I'm doing it using uh, a very simple cheap kind of the 240 off the back which is what you know Cybertruck will be able to do and the Silverado and and even the Ram that we talked about last week they'll all be able to plug right in for that and then you've got other things like the Lucid where it's kind of using the charge port and of course the F150 can do that with with its charge port as well but you've got that big inverter system and I think Lucid also just like Ford has a an 80 uh, amp charge station possibility and um and so it seems simple but it's where it gets complex and i can speak to personal experience you know pg and e my local power company i'm on the virtual power plant for tesla and i get paid two dollars a kilowatt uh hour for everything i send back uh to the grid which is nice but man i'd love to be able to plug my truck and add in all of that available power, but where this gets tricky, and, and they tried to have some recent legislation out here in California around this, where it gets tricky with the power companies, is these little these little things about regulations and permits. When you go to put in this home integration system, and I, I looked into it, they would incentivize me four thousand uh, dollars to help offset some of the cost of that. But it's a ten, eleven, twelve thousand dollar proposition to get that in, so it's maybe covering a third, still quite an investment. And then you need to look at, you know, if I've got an 80 amp charger, do I have the 200, 300 amp main panel? Um, and, yep. and it's, and then you put that, it's got to have a battery, right? Because when the power goes down, um, even though your truck is going to be the main part of the battery, you still need some type of battery to make that system run and connect. And the charge station pro has the real limit, which is that it's like one, it's going to be down for a couple minutes before it recognizes and switches over. And then two, Sunrun will not integrate it with existing solar. So I've got existing solar. Sunrun comes out. They want to put a parallel system, which doesn't make any sense. If you're a net new solar <laughs> customer, that makes a lot of sense, right? There's value there for you. But if you've already got a power roll, if, you, if you've already got solar, it won't integrate. Um, and then even more problematic, at least in California, and this might happen in other parts of the country, I'm in what's called net metering two. And I've got certain rules and things that are that are in place around that. Well, the moment you connect your truck with an interconnection agreement, permission to operate, permits, all that to your grid, you are resetting your net metering agreement to whatever the recent one is, which is not usually in your favor. So there's all these little obstacles, right? These, these things about legislation and, you know, all of, of the, the coordination, you know, ChargeScape might have one standard, what Tesla might have a different standard. 
there's still a lot of behind the scenes coordination that would really be helpful because um, at a very basic level in an outage, just being able to plug something into your car and run your refrigerator and maybe some medical devices and charge up a mobility uh, scooter like I know Sergio has, all of these are tremendous values in an emergency just in and of themselves. So positive stuff yeah. right away, right? But if you're talking the kind of stuff you know, Jesse, that you're talking about to really help the grid and really help that duck curve that they talk about, you, you, man, you gotta, it's, it's costly. It's permitting, you know, the power companies, if you have existing systems is going to try to get over on you. And, and, and there's, and again, you don't want to go down that whole thing. We just got through with NACS and CCS where um, Chargescape has one standard and eventually Tesla comes around and has theirs and now you're not coordinated. So there's a lot there, man. There's a lot there. And on that note, I have a meeting that I have to go to. I hate that it's only 15 minutes. I hate that I haven't been around. I'm glad it's in great hands. Uh, it probably be another few weeks before I can come back and talk again. And hopefully here in about a month, we'll have a big announcement for what we won for the state. So I'm going to head and go to these meetings. Let me know yeah. if you need anything. Thank you all. Thank I'll you, talk Jesse. to you all here in a little bit. Great hey, guys. from you. Well, now that Jesse's gone, what? No. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, to, to continue the point, I mean, I, I think the virtual power grid is something that um, a lot of work to be done, but on a very practical use case, there's a, there's a large opportunity for the collective win of each region that implements the system where, you know, on a big scale, you see the companies looking at battery farms and solar farms and energy generation and storage to help offset peak when an easy solution can be all of the vehicle drivers incentivizing them to be connected in these agreements by a fair arrangement that you're getting paid to utilize you know the the battery pack and you know the degradation of your battery to service the community that's something that a gas powered vehicle will never be able to do absolutely so uh, I think it'd be great to pull in Sergio on this topic, too, because I know uh, from from talking to him, he has a unique thing that he does where he's using his vehicle to vehicle and and uh, capabilities. I know he's done some stuff with Halloween decorations and uh, Sergio, you got multiple EVs, but I believe you just charged the one. Um, man, tell us about that, because you're doing something unique when it comes to the ability of that vehicle to to load vehicle to vehicle process, man. Tell, tell us about that. Absolutely. So I uh, I take my Ford Lightning and I take it to ChargePoint out here in Monterey. It's five bucks flat rate to charge it up. So I'll take it there when it's at like 8%, 7%, charge it up to to, to max what I can get out of it, 100%, bring it home. And I'll charge my, my Mach-E. I'll charge both Mach-E's with it, um, depending on where their, their charge is at. I'll charge my Tesla with it. And like Chris was just mentioning, I'll also run whatever decorations it is for whatever season off of that truck for the night. So everything that when it comes to this, this house is anything high powered is coming off of that truck because PG&E is too expensive and I refuse to, to run that stuff. So when I get ready for my Griswold's uh, Christmas over here, everything is going to be ran off of that truck every single night. So, but no, I, um, I charge that truck up. I want to say maybe twice a week, maybe twice a week. And then I just distribute it onto all the, the three other EVs and then for whatever equipment I'm using at the house. That's awesome. 
<laughs> I'm guessing where you're at though, the the charge rate that they're going to charge you to fill the lightning is actually less than what they're going to charge you for peak hours at your residential rate. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's $5 flat rate for the charge point. So when I'm over at charge point, I'll pull 117 kilowatt hours from that $5 session. So you're talking about less about what four cents for per kilowatt hour opposed to PG and E that charges me like 54 cents per kilowatt hour. So I'm saving 50 cents per kilowatt hour by doing what I'm doing and That's taking it to charge point. That was like, cause for reference, I've, I've never heard of that. I mean, like in my region, if I go to a charge point, they're going to charge me 50 cents a kilowatt to charge, but you have a session fee of $5 and that's it. And you're getting yes. 130 kilowatts of energy that you can go distribute at three, four cents a kilowatt, which I would do the same thing in that regard. That's, that's yeah. Awesome. So the, the most I've gotten from it is 122. Cause of course I need the, the little bit of buffer to get there. So I'll, I'll, the max I pulled out of that charge point is 122 kilowatt, um, kilowatt hours. And then, yeah, just come home and distribute them to the other car. Cause if I take the Maki, you know, it's only a 77 uh, kilowatt hour uh, spaces on the bad on that battery. So it's not going to maximize, you know, as far as my costs. So I take the lightning and then just distribute it and then take the lightning when it's empty again, and then just, you know, refill, re recharge all these vehicles. And like I mentioned, running, you know, lights, running equipment, when it got, when we had a heat wave over here in Monterey, I also plugged in my window air conditioning unit to the truck and had that running. So I'm, I'm frugal. I am very frugal. Even though my cars don't look like I'm frugal, I am frugal. I'm not paying and throwing away money when it, I could do it at, at a cheaper, at a cheaper cost. I mean, that much savings, you should just buy three lightnings and keep them on rotation. Get the system in your house and just keep plugging one truck up to the bi-directional in your house and just run, run everything off of, off of a charge point charger for five bucks. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is crazy. I mean, obviously, uh, it'd be interesting to see if uh, how far of a drive is it from your uh, house to the charger? 2.3 miles. So it'd be really interesting to get like some battery pack extender and drop it uh, in your system and just fill the whole thing up with one charge session uh, and just really milk, milk that setup. But I mean, that, that that's I mean, that's ingenious. I mean, it's a great idea. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's a it's a sixty, it's a what is it, a 60, 62 kilowatt uh system. So it does take a little bit of time to do it. So I'll drop it off. I'll ride my e-bike back to the house and then whenever and I charge my e-bike on the from my truck as well. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> literally it's just I my system, like Chris was saying, it 2.3 miles to go drop it off. I'll ride back home. And when it's done, I'll go back and pick it up and I'm good to go. Yeah, I mean that that still will charge up in two hours. So it's not like it's that long. Yes. Yep. Wow. Yes, yeah, sir. It's, a, it's just a great use case again for utility of this vehicle, right? And the number of things that you can do to it and with it, and um, ways that it can support a number of different things. And so it's uh, as more do this, I think it's going to see uh, how creative people can get in everything from from parties to e-bikes, mobility scooters, your house, other vehicles decorations um i mean it's all it's all exciting stuff so i hope more and more vehicles start to incorporate it and start to do it i did think it was interesting that uh, i don't know if you guys saw the pictures with the cyber truck they went with the nema 1450 
um, which I thought was interesting in the bed because it's, you know, you would use that for like a welder or, or uh, obviously, a, you know, charge another vehicle. Um, you could use that uh, for an oven if for some it's random generator, reason. It's a generator port. I mean, that's, that's a, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, it you know the the F one fifty has that twist lock. Well, I think it's more more conventional uh, when you go out to like a uh, construction site or if you're going to try to power your house. I think that's going to be a much more conventional uh, thing. And then you've got the adapters. Obviously, I'm assuming the adapters will work the other way from a fourteen fifty to a uh, to a twist lock. And so I just thought that was an interesting choice. You I wonder if that means your, they're going to plug up your dryer straight to the truck. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, and will they, you know, will it actually support 50 amps or is it going to be 30 like the Lightning, but just a 1450 plug? Still questions to come, right? Those will be interesting, but it's a it's a step because for a long time, Tesla was, Elon had said he was hesitant to use the battery that way. And putting the putting the outlet back there is kind of an acknowledgement that at least it's opening that door and hopefully more to come. But I think Sergio just shows you how creative you can get once you have it. Absolutely. Cause even with that, with my truck as well, like you mentioned the 1450. So I also have a 37 foot trailer and it has the 1450 plug on there. So I have to use my adapter whenever I have it plugged into my truck. But even that, like I'm charging at the charging station, if I'm towing and have my trailer plugged into the truck while I'm actively charging and I can still have all of my equipment running in my trailer. So I'm not sitting there hot waiting for the truck to finish charging. You know, I did that when I drove from Georgia all the way here to California. If I stopped and I could have stayed hooked up, I, I let the, you know, I ran everything in there while the truck was charging and I was in the comfort of my trailer when, you know, on that road trip. So I think the 1450 is a cool option in there, um, especially if you're going to be towing. A lot of the, you know, to toys have those kind of plugs as well. So it'll be able to plug right back into there and you'll be good to go. But I mean, otherwise we got adapters, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to have your battery on wheels. I, I think it, it is a pretty awesome idea. Yeah, for sure. And, and you've done a lot of towing, Sergio, for those that don't know, I mean, talk about the, 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 the towing you've done from Florida to California and you, you've towed your, um, was it a Mach-E or the Tesla that you towed? And then your, your trailer, talk about a little bit of you know, <laughs> what you've done. Yeah, so I had a 2020 Model X, uh, 2020 Performance Model X, and um, I put the 20-inch wheels on it. Of course, I had to take the 20, the 22s off for this tow, but I towed a 5,000-pound trailer, a 27-foot um, trailer, 5,000 pounds from California all the way over to Georgia, and so that was a lot of fun towing that big old trailer cross country. Um, you know, it pretty impressive on electric vehicles and how it, it doesn't care what kind of grade you're going up didn't care about i mean of course your your usage goes up but you know just just watching these using these electric vehicles to tow i mean they're just it's pretty impressive i i told that 30 foot trailer um or actually the 37 foot trailer the the new one that i got with the f-150 lightning and you know, it was seamless. I was able to pull in, plug up because especially having that charge port in the front for the truck, I think for the Tesla, that was my struggle where I literally, if I could not, you know, just pull up parallel and park to, to a charger, I had to unplug so I could back in opposed to the truck. If I just nosed into that charger and, and the trailer wasn't blocking much of anything, I was okay to go. But, um, Having that charge port up front, I, I towed that all I went all the way from 
Southeast Georgia, all the way up here to Monterey, California. And um, it, it was great, man. I, it was, it was such a fun adventure. I'm all about adventure. So, but I've driven both of my Machis cross country a couple times. Um, I have driven my, a couple lightnings across country. I, I had, I'm now my second lightning, but my first lightning I traded in uh, for the platinum because I had gotten a lariat and then I wanted those massaging seats. I wanted to have <laughs> the, the the better speakers. And so I traded in my, my lariat, got the, the platinum and then, um, Drove Tesla across the country. I mean, I've got over half a million EV miles under my belt, just driving all over the country. I've had Hyundai EVs. I've got Kia. I've had Teslas. I've had Fords. I've had all kinds. I mean, my very first EV was the the Fisker Karma. It was a plug-in hybrid. And, you know, that was fun getting the idea of how am I going to utilize my electricity and can I do it without having to have that generator kick in and and work that vehicle that was my comfort i had to figure out how can i get into the electric vehicle world and i i had to take a baby step so doing the plug-in hybrid it once i figured out how to to find stations and what it what it was going to take i went full evs no that's all i have all my cars are electric i don't have any gas vehicles at this house so just out of curiosity, can you easily rank your top three favorites out of everything you've driven for electric vehicles? Top three favorites. So each one has a, a different contribution. So I will say hands down that the Ford Lightning Lariat was my number one favorite. It was the most comfortable. It rode the smoothest, the most versatile. That was that. As far as performance-wise, that 2020 Performance Model X yeah, there nothing could you know, nothing would catch me in that thing, and it was just it moved so crazy. It's just man, amazing power. And then I like my the GT, the Maki GT Performance Edition because it's so rigid. It's a Mustang. I've always had Mustang, so that's where that one comes in. Um, I got the Kia because it was on sale, and it just it's it was just was a car that was on sale. Um, I did like my Hyundai Ionic, but the top three, those are my top three. But um, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. I mean, now, would, uh, you say, go ahead. would you say between the performance and the GT um, it is the performance has higher, higher performance. Yes. Is GT, uh, a more comfortable ride between the two. Like where, where's your, like, what, what's the difference between the two in terms of when you're driving it, what, what you feel? Are you talking about my Maquis that I have now? Yeah, yeah, your Mach-E GT that you have now versus the performance. Um, I would assume the performance has a bit better performance. Uh, what is you know what's the then the GT? Is it have a just a you, softer you were referencing though your performance was the Tesla? Or did you also have a performance? The Tesla. So I have a yeah. So that's what he said. So I have a GT performance. Um, I have the the GT performance edition for the Mach-E, but I also have a first edition Mach-E. So the first edition Mach-E is more of a premium with some extra bells and whistles. So the the first edition Maki that I have, that one is just it's all about comfort. It that that thing I'd rather have that one on a road trip than my GT Performance because the GT Performance edition the seats are much stiffer. It's much more for performance. It's a stiffer ride with that Magna ride. It's it's a different type of vehicle. So um if I'm going on a long road trip family wise, I'll take the G I'll take the first edition. If I know I'm going to go have some fun, I'm taking the GT performance or 
If I just want to smile on the entire ride, I'll take the GT Performance. Don't get me wrong. My first edition is still quick and I have some fun in it, but it's not nearly as fun as the GT Performance. But the Mustang GT or the Mach-E GT versus the Tesla Performance, what was your experience between those? Two? Oh, yeah. Well, the 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 Mach-E GT, the Mach-E GT, that one is, I feel, much more solid and much more planted than what my Model X was as far as a performance edition. The Model X was much more comfortable and much faster. Because um, am I correct so, in saying the Model X performance, was that, is that the one that goes 1.9 or is that the 2.4? 2.4. Yeah, yeah. 060 and so 2.4. that's 2. the 2.4 and then the, the GT is what, 3.4? 3.5 3.5 okay yeah. so i mean it's a noticeable difference in acceleration it's absolutely the, it's the plaid that gets the yeah. 1.9 uh you have the performance which is 2.4 which is still yes wicked it, fast especially for an suv yeah but you're but what you're saying is that the uh model x per performance was more comfortable and faster yes. but the model the mustang uh G gt was it's it's much more in tune to the ground so it's like when you're driving it you feel like you feel like you're in a sports vehicle you feel like if you're connected you feel like that handling is direct the 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 model x depends on your height level that it was on your your it it, it could get a little squirrely at times so gotcha. or even just even if you had it at super low it just still doesn't it didn't give the same experience as the gt performance edition so but no, I mean, both great cars. I mean, it's it. You guys were talking about different options and you know what what its uses are good for. And for me, it's all about fun. I like speed. I like performance. So I'm I'm always looking at what's going to get me there. And I want to go fast. I want. I'm Ricky Bobby. I want to go fast. <laughs> well, we have like five minutes left, so I wanted you to get a chance to talk about the Tesla Owners Club that you oversee. Um, and kind of talk a little bit about it and what your experience has been down that vein. Absolutely. So we recently just launched the Monterey Bay uh, Tesla Club here. And so what we're doing is this area was underrepresented. So we've attached ourselves to Silicon Valley Tesla Owners Club. And so now what we're doing is just getting Monterey Bay. We're going to be um, supporting Santa Cruz and just get this area, which you know, to the north of us, to the south of us, has lots of representation. I'm now the club president for Monterey Bay. And so we're in our beginning stages and we got a whole lot of ideas and plans and, you know, partnerships to, to with other clubs in order to help us thrive and get Tesla owners represented and, and have some fun out in this area as well. Awesome. Yeah, Where can great. people sign up and kind of see what events you're doing or get kind of stay in the know? Is there a way to the people that are out there in Monterey and Santa Cruz and uh, want to connect with, with you from an owner's perspective, like how do they, how do they find you? So they can find us on Twitter at Tesla MB, or they can also find us online. We have uh Tesla MB.com. I'm make sure I have my, my, my uh, website correctly, <laughs> but I'm, I'm almost positive. It's uh Tesla MB.com. Correct. And then they could go ahead and shoot us a message from there, or they could find us on Twitter. Um, I have the Instagram page that I'm also setting up as well. So um, I'll be dropping all those links on our website, but Tesla MB, you're going to be able to find us, you know, Tesla MB.com and, and become a member and uh, participate. And we're going to do 
our 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 coffee. We're gonna do our drives. We're gonna do the t- the toy drive. We're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun. We're gonna like I said, Silicon Valley Tesla Owners Club has a lot of fun stuff that they do, and they're just sharing that knowledge with me and 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 you know took me under their wing and Silicon Valley uh, Tesla Owners is Silicon Valley. We got um we got all the clubs that are they're helping us out in this area. So San Joaquin Valley Owners Club. I mean, I'm, I got a lot of full support. Yeah, over here, no, no oh, pressure. Over here in East Tennessee, we don't have love like that. We uh, don't have clubs and things. I mean, motorcycle gangs are about the best you're going to get for uh, <laughs> for our local uh, transportation clubs. Uh, but I mean, we have some online things that we're a part of. But uh, it's really cool to see like a group of EV drivers getting together for a common cause. That's a that's an awesome thing. And if you're in that area definitely a cool thing to kind of get plugged into to to be a part of that community so yeah i appreciate that no pressure sergio but uh you know joe at san joaquin valley uh let you know invited me to come down and i got to join them down in fresno for an event and al over in the east bay club has has let me kind of join them for mount diablo and um and some things and uh no pressure not to put you on the spot but if i show up with my lightning am, am i welcome because uh um i, I and i love the excuse to drive in santa cruz hey, and monterey sergio just areas. admitted the lightning's his favorite vehicle has ever driven you're welcome in the club absolutely <laughs> and i'm i'm gonna slap one of my tesla mb uh magnets right on the back of your lightning as well um so i got one of your stickers on my truck i i figured i could give you one of mine absolutely man which uh, which uh, Tesla group did you get the calendar photo in, Chris? That's well, that's the te- test calendar on uh, on Twitter X. Yeah, it's um that was with Tesla Owners Club East Bay, and so we did the drive up to the top of Mount Diablo, which is one of the biggest peaks out here. Uh, it's in Contra Costa County, so we did a big drive uh, all the way up to the peak of that, and got a great drone shot uh, where we laid out all the cars in the Tesla logo and with right a at lightning the at the tip of it because yes, that makes sense right, right at the tip was the uh and it was good it was good it was good of them to just be that welcoming inclusive and just be like hey let's throw it in there and at first glance you can't tell what it is you really can't and it's the only if you look at the shadow and you see all the 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 rounded you know shapes of the teslas and then you notice that silhouette it's a really good silhouette of the lightning and it looks really cool um and they were just fantastic al was amazing and um you know all of all of them over there with tesla owners club east bay i was there for the frunker treat event and the drive out to the delta they've just been fantastic as we're trying to grow the um, bay area lightning club you know it's um there's limited options uh, outside of the Tesla world. And I think Barrier Lightning and then there's Barrier Rivian Club and, and that's kind of it. So um, they've done a bit better down in SoCal with uh, with Will down there and the SoCal EV uh, Club that's more inclusive, but um, it, it's not as much up here. So we're trying to kind of build that. And um, yeah, they were great. And that that shot of the Tesla logo and my Lightning there, I was real, real proud and just excited, you know, and, and grateful that that was there because I thought it was a great shot. Oh yeah, it was a really cool photo when I saw it when I saw it drop. So yeah, yeah, calendar yeah, but, out now. Buy your buy yours today. Yeah, man. But you know, most most um, I wouldn't say most. I'm say all Tesla clubs are all inclusive as well. Like a lot of people think that just because it says Tesla that that's the only thing. But I mean, I don't know if you. Of course, you've seen that I went to Tesla takeover. I went to you know X takeover in in um, San Luis Obispo. Like I took my Maki. I had um 
Maki vlog, they joined me as well. And then we brought the lightning. So we had the lightning and two Maki's right there front and center at Tesla takeover. So, you know, don't ever feel as, as though these clubs are like, you know, so exclusive that you can't join. If you were helping the movement and you were electrified, you were welcomed. I just have to yeah, drive awesome. all the way across the country to get some love, but it's okay. Hey, I do it. I do it. Come on, man. It's possible. <laughs> I got to take, like take a road trip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I'm with you, Sergio. You know, I'm all about the inclusiveness. I, you know, I did a thing with Lucid and we took a drive out to the peninsula to Alice's restaurant and we had uh, Lucid and Tesla and Fords and, um, and, and so those, those times when we can get together in an inclusive way, I love it. Um, so I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. One of my favorite things to do is when I'm driving on my road trips to stop at these charge ports and just get to hear experience from other drivers. It's just it's just fun and unique to hear their experiences, hear the pitfalls and what I'm personally doing to make those changes at the charging stations that we're building. Um, but then just to kind of uh, dialogue with what got, got people into the space because you think that um, you think it's all very linear but everybody has a different story and it's it's just a a fun experience now at all our stations that we usually stop at you're not seeing all the tesla drivers because they're you know have their own network but uh you know <laughs> it's something that you know in the in the experience you're getting to see all drivers from all walks of lives from the early early adopters to the ones brand new like how do i plug this thing in and you're you're sitting there walking them through it um just a a kind of a cool thing to be a part of and definitely something that any any chance I have to talk to other drivers, it's a, a cool experience. So a club is definitely obviously the way to go. So and your chargers are gonna roll out with NAX, is that right? Or they will when, have NAX you... and CCS both. Yeah. So I mean yeah, we, we will awesome. have capability to host all drivers where no current yeah. providers willing to actually I mean, I think it's coming, but the UL certifications for NAX charger heads outside of Tesla is starting the beginning of next year so by the time our infrastructure comes online we'll be able to introduce our all of our stations with the inclusivity of of both which is nice because some of the regions that we're going to doesn't have even tesla network and so it'll it'll provide opportunities for 90 percent of cars being teslas that are on the road they have a network too on top of the network of you know traditional vehicles um, like you know every other vehicle that's used to using the current CCS infrastructure. So, but and hopefully, with you guys being in Tennessee, Sergio and I can get to see you if we get lucky enough to go out there when Ford opens up their new plant, and we'll get it. You know, we'll get together and we'll do. We've already you know? we've already been kind of invited uh, ish through Ford to be at the Blue Oval event, so maybe we can all rally up and have a big get together. Yeah. We'll have a big. Uh, we'll have a big, absolutely. We'll have a big Ford gang meet up and just get a bunch of EV drivers together and have a big event at the nearby blue oval somewhere so Absolutely. sounds great anyways sounds we're running great. out of time today sergio we're gonna have you back on because i didn't feel like we got to talk to you enough <laughs> a lot of fun stuff to talk about but we'll have you back on sometime soon uh thank you so All much right. for for joining in today and sharing your experience uh it's always fun to talk to other enthusiasts so thanks for joining us yeah thanks for having me. you guys have a great day absolutely well that's been another episode of turn down for what uh, we will be back next week. We may, as an introductory concept, we may be coming online earlier in the week. Next week, I believe we might be airing an episode starting on Wednesdays. Um, we will see if that actually institutes by next week. But within the next two weeks, we're going to uh, shift our uh, podcast air day from Friday back to Wednesday. So uh, be in tune for that. That will be coming soon. 
and we'll catch you on the next episode.